the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report, where we give you the information that you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Glad to have you with us today. My name is Jeremy Stallnecker, and I am here with Chad Robichaux. And uh, Chad, we're going to jump into um, probably one of our favorite conversations. If you and I argue about anything, it's about the news. Yep. That's what we argue <laughs> Fake news. Are you about fake, fake news? Hashtag fake news. We get really <laughs> upset about fake news. We don't know what fake news means. But uh, we do know that we are living in a culture and in a time where people don't trust the news. No. Um, people that disagree with you, mm-hmm. what they believe is fake news, but what you believe is the right thing. Right. We have a hard time navigating and understanding what exactly is beneath the headlines that we're re- reading. Yeah. And this is a real problem for our culture. You hear people saying journalism's dead. Right. But, uh, we pretty much have a mainstream uh, news is about talk show hosts that right. are casting their opinion and and it's really just diluted the, uh, the news to the fact that we're you know whatever you're watching is pure opinion yeah. and uh, it's very hard to trust it I mean I, I mean you got right now just going through the impeachment uh, deal and you know you if you watch turn on you know CNN or Fox the two major two of the major news networks uh, and one American news. Yeah, right. <laughs> Major news. It's a whole different story. Right. And so, what do you believe? Yeah. And uh, and and it and it really the effect of that causes a a, a very warranted distrust. Right. In in our. Well, one one of the the conversations that we have had over the last several years, um, and and heavily in the last two years, is over content creation as an organization. Mm-hmm. And we've had this conversation. First, it was we need to provide the content that we're using in our program and the, the, the help that we're offering to veterans and service members in our program, we need to offer that more broadly. So we started the Mighty Oak Show, which is our YouTube show, and, and we've got a huge following there. And uh, we've had the opportunity to bring some great topics. Uh, recently, we've added a number of other shows on YouTube. And then we started to talk about this one. And one of the things you said in the process of having a conversation about this show is someone needs to tell the truth. Yeah. And someone needs to cut through so much of the misinformation and the misunderstanding and that's what we're attempting to do as we, you know, have the show and have these conversations. And we've had some great conversations. Uh, but this, this question of why is there such a mistrust of the media and what does journalism really look like is one that's very, very important. And so when we talk about having a guest on that can help us understand these issues, and these are big issues, um, the only person we talked about was our friend Alex Salvi. Alex, thank you for being with us. Alex is the host of After Hours on One American News, and uh, I call you our friend. We've had so many conversations, but they've been very formal conversations uh, in news context. But uh, you've invited us on. You've allowed us to talk about veterans' issues. You've given us a platform to deal with those things. And uh, you've been become a friend to our organization and appreciate uh, you. And when we talk about this, your, your background speaks to this. Not only do you work for One American News, and you are involved in this every day, but you have an international law degree, you have studied abroad, you've been involved in this for a long time, and you bring a lot of clarity to this subject, and we really wanted to get your perspective on it, so thank you for spending some time with us. I appreciate you having me. I mean, that was quite an introduction. I'll take it anytime I can get. Thank you. <laughs> so, let's jump into this. Um, I know Chad wanted to start off. Yeah, I just, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it definitely is unique having you on the show, because you're from one of the major networks, 
And uh, we're, we're talking about the lack of confidence that, uh, that many of American viewers have in, in the major networks. And so what do you think, where do you think this came from? Is it, is it recent, just with the, you know, with the division of the president, of uh, you know, people's views on the president, and how the, how the media is kind of split on that? But what, what has created this lack of confidence that, that uh, the American viewers have in the, media, in the media today? So I think, contrary to what a lot of people would necessarily think, is that it comes with more information. I mean, I think social media completely changed the game in the sense that back in the day, I mean, you had your normal uh, cable networks that you'd have to tune into, ABC, CBS, NBC, and if it wasn't on that channel that night, you weren't seeing the story at all. Nowadays, with social media, there's a surplus of information. So for example, one story will come out, and then within a couple minutes, you'll hear other people with firsthand knowledge either refute that story, back it up, they'll be giving their own account, and you kind of start to realize maybe the whole story wasn't being said the entire time. And I think a lot of people right now They'll say, oh, this might be something new. This might be something that just as recently kind of uh, came to fruition. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think people are just becoming more aware of it. You can go back a couple of years ago and kind of see that for itself, kind of reevaluate some stories that we've seen over the past and start to realize, oh, we weren't getting the whole story then. Mm -hmm. And nowadays people are held accountable for that, I think. So right. it's not that there is control over the information, which there used to be with the major mm -hmm. networks is that there is so much information available, mm -hmm. it's hard to know who to trust. And I think that control is being challenged right now. And I think that's why a lot of times when you hear the allegations of fake news or something like that taken very personally by a lot of these networks, it's not necessarily the fact that they truly feel that they're in physical danger or anything like that. Because don't get me wrong, there are places in the world where journalists are very much so in physical danger. Sure. You can just look at Mexico, for example. And uh, I mean, political journalists are killed on almost a daily basis. Yeah. And for much bigger stories, much more important stories than here in the United States where that allegation gets thrown <clears throat> around a lot. I think it's the idea that some of those legacy media outlets, ones that have gotten away so long doing what they've been doing, are now being threatened a little bit. And it's why you see the rise of certain outlets, more independent outlets, if you will, and kind of the deterioration of yeah. maybe the ones that we've seen kind of be the strongholds in the past. Yeah. What has caused um, One American News Network to become kind of the, the target for these other networks. And, and there are a lot of other networks, but primarily Fox and sure. CNN. Um, you've become, you representative of OAN, a target for both of those networks. And now they've classified you as fake news or shills for the president or far right, even yeah. alt right. You hear all of these things about One American News. Where has that come from and why is that the case right now? Well, I think at the end of the day, it comes back to just, it's kind of a smear a little bit. When people right. don't like necessarily what you're doing, they try to discredit you. Uh, we were talking a little bit before about how veterans issues, for example, is not a conservative issue. I mean, there are Democratic veterans, there are Republican <laughs> veterans, there's veterans of all shapes, colors, whatever you want. But when you talk about that issue, then they'll say, oh, well, it's a conservative agenda because right, you're right. pushing something that uh, the president, for example, you can take the VA system, you can take uh, just different things yeah. that fall under that umbrella. And all of a sudden they'll say like, oh, it's a conservative news station because of that. But I think it's important to also understand what One America News is. Uh, for 21 hours of the day, it's an aggregate news source. It's mm. taking the top headlines that are either on uh, trending on social media, that are making it in other publications. And then essentially what we do is we take news stories that are coming down the wire, whether it's from AP, Reuters, Euronews, we cover international news as well. 
And we just run basically headlines for yeah. an entire hour. Uh, and yeah. then uh, the next show starts, updated headlines, updated information. <laughs> but then we do have, uh, admittedly so, conservative talk shows, uh, specifically Graham Ledger and Liz Wheeler. Mine is more of a news show right. um, where we bring on people with different opinions. And But that's not to say that we don't have people from different viewpoints as well. I yeah. mean, we've had people that have conservative backgrounds. We've had people that have liberal backgrounds. Yeah. But in order to kind of smear you a little bit, they'll say, oh, you're a conservative news outlet. And really quick, too, I think it's an interesting point that you bring up too is uh, Fox News and CNN, for example, will kind of say that we're all of a sudden um, a competition or anything like that. But I'd say this, if CNN was upset about us merely taking away viewers from Fox News, we would be praised. Right. You know, that's, right. Their, right. that's what they want. Right. They want to, yeah. Fox News is always on top. They're always looking for people to chip away at yeah. that. And I actually took a poll once uh, among our viewers at One American News, and I said, where were you getting your news before you came to One American News? And it was about 65% from Fox News, but then about 30% from CNN. So I think that's why you're kind of seeing it tick up a little bit from that's CNN crazy. when it comes uh, from that criticism. So is the fact that viewers from both Fox and CNN are coming to One America, I mean, that's a pretty telling fact. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, I think... Because we're, we see that as very much left and very much right. What, what, but Those it, people don't talk to each other. That's very true. And I think that that didn't always necessarily used to be the case. So, for example, MSNBC, I mean, they're admittedly to the left. Uh, Fox News is admittedly to the right. And I have no problem with that. I think that there is actually a place for um, a, a perspective of journalism that does have a bias because, I mean, if you want to hold liberals accountable, for example, I mean, Republicans are usually, or conservatives, I should say, are usually good at doing that and vice versa. CNN used to be the trusted one that was down the middle a little bit. That was kind of where you would come, have debate. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. And I think one point that kind of demonstrates that is if you were to turn on CNN, you get one person giving the liberal agenda, but then the conservative agenda is given by someone who is a self-described never-Trumper. And that's very interesting to me because uh, I mean, President Trump, for example, has a 90% or so approval rating within the Republican Party, meaning that individual's mm -hmm. perspective is only shared by, what, 2.5% of the right. country? Yeah. So it's, it is ignoring the other half of that conversation. And whether you're a conservative or a liberal, that is very dangerous because at that point, you're not necessarily yeah. challenging ideas anymore. You're just kind of pushing your already held beliefs. And I think that's something that's more dangerous than people actually give credit for. Yeah. I remember growing up, my parents would watch CNN headline news. I mean, that yeah. was what was on all the time. And it was someone sitting behind a desk reporting a story and telling what's happening in the world, and, and, and that's all that it was, and it's become so much more than that. And that's really what the model that we use is. I right. mean, uh, for example, the owner of our One American News, Robert Herring, he grew up watching Walter Cronkite, right. CNN, as right. you were saying like that, where, I mean, back then it was someone holding a piece of paper, right. just talking right. to the camera, reading the reports that right. you had that day. But it was very much so the idea that you just kind of read the news, read the verified information, and kind of let people make up their mind for themselves. And where you were talking before about how sometimes we just get kind of called a conservative news outlet. Yeah. When you're talking about an economy that is a very good economy, that's not pro-Trump. Right. That is that's pro-economy. Yeah. You know, you want to be in a good economy yeah. no matter where you are. In fact, I think that's one thing that we've lost sight of is whether you're liberal, whether you're conservative. It used to be the point where we all wanted the same end goal. It was just a matter of how we got there. Right. But that's starting to change a little bit too, I think. Yeah, We're yeah, happy sure. when people on the other side fail, that, even if that impacts the rest of the country. And, you know, I think one example of that, using the economy once again as an example, is every now and then you'll see someone hope for a recession now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that is healthy in the sense where if you acknowledge the fact that every time there's a recession, 
people's lives literally get uh, not only affected, people die in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they go into poverty, they can't uh, get health care, they can't feed yeah. their families, mm -hmm. simple things such as that. And it's really a sad time, I hate to say, that we're living in where people are cheering for the other side to fail because I don't think that's necessarily what's good for the country as a whole. Yeah, whether or not you like Donald Trump as uh, to be, being our president, sure. I mean, it should be irrelevant to the fact that someone should be in prison for stockpiling uh, aid in Puerto Rico yes. <laughs> during, a, right. during, a, during a national national disaster. I mean, right. I mean, everyone should be upset about that. Whether That's you like not a president. political issue. That's right? not a political right. issue. Exactly. Right. Or it shouldn't be a political it's, it's issue. Corruption. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's corruption. I mean, it should be exposed and people should have to pay a price for it regardless if you like the president or not. And even taking that a step further, uh, after the Iranian strike when they killed uh, General Qassem Soleimani, yeah. you saw people on social media saying, oh, well, I can't wait till Iran retaliates, just so they could say, see, that was a bad yeah. idea. And the, I can't remember any other time in history no. where someone was cheering for a strike on U.S. targets in order to prove a political point. So that, I guess that speaks more to the polarization that we're in right now, maybe to the news than itself. Yeah, one of the things I talked about earlier was uh, journalism versus talk show hosts. And we see a lot of talk show hosts. They're all opinion-driven. So there's this difference between what's actually news or journalism and what's opinion. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And I think that's actually one of the things that is fueling the fake news epidemic, as you will. And I think it is important, too, to differentiate that there is actual fake news. That is uh, different. Uh, the Russian government, for example, pushed sure. it in the United States, which is quite literally fake news. Uh, yeah. It's made-up stories, stuff like that. But what blurs the lines a little bit, to your point, is that opinion sometimes does get mixed in with actual news. And I think a good example of that, for example, Fox News, to their credit, does differentiate that very clearly. One American News does as well. I mean, you yeah. know when you're watching the news, you know when you're watching opinion. Uh, Sean, Sean Hannity points it out. Sean Hannity is the perfect example. Yeah. But on the other side of that, something that I do take issue with a little bit is uh, MSNBC, for an example. Um, Rachel Maddow, would you consider her news or opinion? Because that's where the line's a little bit blurred. Yeah. Because she would say, actually, that she's speaking in hyperbole, that she is speaking uh, with her own opinion uh, in there, and she speaks to different issues. And that gets a little troubling, because that's also someone who hosted a primary presidential debate. Sean Hannity would never host a presidential right. debate. Nor should he. Nor should he. And, <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, then you get someone like Rachel Maddow, and she's very good at what she does. Don't get me wrong. You don't get paid $10 million a year or whatever it <laughs> right. is or get the ratings that she does without being good at what you're doing. But I think that the lack of kind of distinguishing that is where people start to lose faith a little bit because as soon as you do hear someone speaking opinion over fact, that's something that sticks with you. You, you all of a sudden lose your faith in that person irreparably. Right. Yeah. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. 
Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. As someone who's in this business all the time, and, and I would imagine you spend a lot of time trying to sort through that. Is this real? Is this not real? I'm going to say it. And if I say it, that's my reputation on the line. How do average people, people who are just trying to figure out what to do with their lives, and is it really that bad over there? And is the world about to burn to the ground? <laughs> uh, how do average people discern what's good and what's not, what's real and what's not? Uh, how do we figure out what we should believe? Yeah, well, I'll start with this and saying that, believe it or not, I'm actually very critical of uh, cable of anything, and that may seem a little weird <laughs> since I am on cable, but it's the idea that that is the type of stuff that makes money and that makes headlines. Uh, you're not gonna tune into something, and if it's boring or if it's not a topic that you don't wanna hear, then all of a sudden you're just gonna tune out. You know, yeah. that's how things work. And uh, I think that is a testament to the idea that the model has changed. Uh, cable needs to keep up with what's happening on social media. Same thing with the newspapers as well. Back in the day, for example, if you were looking for a car, you would go to your newspaper and you would just kind of come across the news, you know? So people had other means to want to get a newspaper. Nowadays, that's not the case. Clicks is what gets you money, so there has to be some salacious headline. There has to be salacious news right. in there in order to get people to even go to that source, click on it, mm -hmm. and as a result of that, it incentivizes the headlines to be sensational and polarizing, for that matter, too. So that's why you really get what it is. As far as viewers go, I think it's important to recognize that actually right now, journalism is polarized but it's actually pretty good too. I mean, if you read the newspapers, yeah. you can read something and there's a good chance that that week, that day, it's gonna be pretty in line with what's happening. With that being said, I think it's very important to follow up yourself. Uh, you could look at any publication. Let's take the Washington Post, for example. Washington Post does very good journalism from one angle, for the mm -hmm. most part. Yeah. Uh, you could go to the Wall Street Journal, find a different perspective on that. You could go to Fox News, get a different perspective, The Federalist, so on. And I think it's important to take all those in order to get a well-rounded idea of yeah. what the true story is. Mm -hmm. And especially when one story is relying so heavily on anonymous sources. Because there's a reason why that individual is hiding behind anonymous sourcing. Sure. It may be to protect them. I mean, we're dealing with the time where whistleblowers are a big thing, stuff yeah. like that. There's an important role for that as well. But when it comes to a big salacious allegation yeah. and you're going off of one anonymous source, mm -hmm. that's problematic. So I think that's when you have to follow up, kind of get a well-rounded idea. And we were talking about bias before, and it's not only about opinion, but it's also what people decide to cover. And I think that's really important too, because just because someone covers one certain issue doesn't mean that they're wrong, but most of the time it means that they're leaving out another side of that issue as right. well. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the future of news and reporting? Things are changing so fast. I think it's building on that idea of developing a relationship with someone that you trust as a whole. And uh, I think to the testament of what you guys are doing right here, actually, this is more of a long format conversation. Yeah. And you see, for example, podcasts that are becoming longer and more popular. Uh, I'm gonna use Bernie Sanders as an example once again. He was just recently on the Joe Rogan show yeah. and people will smear Joe Rogan, say he right. allows conspiracy theorists to come on, yeah. stuff like that. But it's also what allows different people from different backgrounds to come on a show and speak in a more long-form setting. Right, yeah. Whereas cable news, for example, I mean, you're up there, you get your two minutes. On my show, you get six minutes right. for the most part. It's hard to make a, a developing a true argument in that short of a time span. Yeah. So I think people are looking for people that they can trust yeah. and also in means of where they can get more information in different ways. The long form, as you were saying, but also the younger generation, they'll go to something, they have a shorter attention span. So they look at some things such as TikTok is the new thing, which is kind of, it'll get you the broad general idea, but then you follow it up yourself. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about our show, yeah. not to validate our show, sure. but for the fact that more and more podcasts or, or YouTube shows or these type of long format shows are popping up. 
and there's a now we have immediate accessibility um, just because our day and age technology and you put them on social platforms there's immediate accessibility people could uh, yeah. filter through and find a, a show like like ours and say okay I trust these guys I, I like their their the lens that they're looking through and uh, start following us so I think that's uh, when you talk about the future I think there's gonna be more accessibility and, and more uh, more yeah. broader, a, a more broader reach mm -hmm. but then more confusion I mean to me that's <laughs> more accessibility and that was your, your point earlier um, <laughs> I think that's great on one hand. Double-edged sword, right? But then people who are working jobs and raising kids and doing whatever, I don't have time to watch you yeah. know, five different shows to figure out what's true. Definitely. Well, I, and I, I can advise them. Situa <laughs> situation report. That's <laughs> yeah. that's there you go. <laughs> After our time coming to one more news. Looking for shows. Yeah. Uh, building on that point, too, though, I think it's also interesting mm. to see the rise of fact-checking organizations. Yeah. Because even within that, mm. you can start seeing that there's bias within fact-checking. <laughs> fact I think one example <laughs> that is the Babylon Bee. It's this kind of satirical yeah. oh, yeah. site, kind of like the Onion. Yeah. They had an article that said CNN buys a high-powered washing machine to spin their news. <laughs> That gets fact-checked by Snopes as if it's a real claim. So it's kind of a wild thing because, I mean, they're not fact-checking things that could actually be fact-checked. They kind of just, just what they decide to go after is a little bit telling within the bias within yeah. itself. In the military side, we have the duffel blog. Right. And I just love, I love pe seeing people's comments to it that, that think it's real. They right. get so upset. <laughs> yeah. How is this possible? Right. Like a giant laundry washing machine? Like, come on. That's, yeah. I just demonstrates the state we're in today for news, right? It really People does. read it and go, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a big washing machine. Who knows? <laughs> um, what is your biggest concern personally? Um, you lived in the Middle East for a little while. You've studied abroad. You've seen things from a lot of different perspectives. Um, you're involved in this every single day. What's your biggest uh, fear or concern with journalism today going forward? I think it's that they're not going to be able to adapt in the right way. Uh, I mean, you could look back to even right now to the 2016 election. A lot of people say that they haven't learned from that. I mean, there's still a lot of times. The New York Times, for example, it's an ongoing joke where in order to find out truly what the middle American wants, they'll go to a diner in Pennsylvania or Michigan. Right. And it's a story that's so overdone time and time again. I mean, you can, find, you can Google it and find about 20 different examples right now. I think that there needs to be an understanding, and it all comes back to me, to social media. If reporters, for example, were not on social media, the newspapers would look different. If, uh, I mean, it's become a thing where someone tweets, and that becomes news in the night. Right. You know, Twitter, social media, is not real life. I mean, right. it's something like 20% of the population makes up 90% of the content on social media. And I think so often people base so much of what's on social media that they don't do actual reporting. They don't actually go out, talk to people in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio. I mean, I'm taking it from a political yeah. angle, but you can broaden it out to international news as well. I mean, and I think that it's very important to do actual reporting, actual journalism, and not kind of cut corners yeah. and cut costs yeah. by saying, we're just going to go on social media and get it that way. Yeah. Or an Iranian battle damage assessment. Right. <laughs> right, because Iran said so. Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, we remember that night too. I mean, uh, the initial reports were yeah. coming out of Iran. MSNBC quotes what Iran is saying, yeah. and it was something like ninety deaths. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And that's a testament also to the idea of the business model. I mean, it, it, it's no longer rewarded to wait and see. You right. know, and nowadays if you're first, first, you're getting to that channel, yeah. you're getting the views, you're getting the yeah. clicks, and you it's, don't have to apologize for it either. You don't. <laughs> you don't. You move on. Uh, the Kobe Bryant example, as of recently, ABC came out. They heard that at initial reports were that five people died on the helicopter. Yeah. Uh, it was Kobe Bryant and four others. And ABC just assumed that those four people were his daughters. 
And of course, we later found out that one was the case, but that's an example of people's actual lives were at stake that day. Uh, People were hurt. Uh, the Bryant family found out through the TMZ report, not through police, right. anything like yeah. that. And that's an example, too, where at one point, a mother thought that her entire family was dead uh, yeah. based on a false ABC report. Alex, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Great conversation. Yeah. We're going to have you back. I hope so. You know you guys yeah. are welcome on my yeah. show anytime yeah. as well. Well, you're welcome here anytime. <laughs> and uh, we'll get you back up here. I'm going to sum up with the situation report for the day. Some takeaways for you. And we could talk about a lot of different things today. But uh, takeaway number one, with social media and so much access to the information that we have access to right now, we have to be very, very careful with this idea of fake news. More access is good in so many ways, but it also poses a threat to those of us that are trying to figure out what's true and what's not true. The second thing that goes along with that is that we have to accept the fact that there is bias in news. There's bias in human nature, which means there's going to be bias in reporting. Uh, bias is not bad. We just have to accept that it is the case, and therefore... Get a well-rounded view of news. Don't take our news solely from one source. Get a well-rounded view to come to the conclusion uh, about what is actually true. And the final thing, uh, the last takeaway for us today, is that there is hope. We just have to be discerning listeners and viewers of the news. We need to work to get beyond the headlines and understand what's actually going. And uh, we can do that for sure. Our screen just dropped out, too. So that's not part of the sit rep, but I just want you to know it happened. And that's okay. Just like the news, when things happen, we keep moving forward. It'll be all right. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank Great you. conversation. And uh, we'll do it again. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for watching. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.